with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. In today's show, we'll talk about China unveils plan to promote digital development through the year 2035, and we will also speak with Chief Economist of Hansen Bank China about her view on China's market and economy this year. And now, let's begin with our top story. The Chinese authorities have unveiled guidelines for digital development in the world's second-largest economy. Su Yi has the details. The document unfolds the blueprint and timeline for construction of a digital China through strengthening 5G and computing. The plan says by 2025, digital infrastructure will be efficiently connected through a broad range of sectors, and China will become a global leader in digital innovations. By 2035, China's digital development will be at the forefront globally. The document highlights some major technology breakthroughs and vows to strengthen the key capabilities of building a digital China. The guidelines also call for building a credible and manageable digital security apparatus to maintain network security. The value of China's digital economy accounts for nearly 40% of its GDP. The country rolled out almost 900,000 new 5G base stations last year, and the total number of 5G stations accounts for more than 60% of the world's total. That was Sui reporting. So, what does a digital China mean, and what is driving the digital economy for China? For more on this, join us on the line now are Yan Liang, professor of economics, Willamette University, and also Ina Tengen, senior fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, Ina, first of all, could you please tell us what does digital China mean, and why does China want to build a digital China and further push for the development of the digital economy? Well, it's it's all comes down to you know the possibilities that are out there. I mean, the digital economy was in 2021, forty、um, almost forty percent of China's GDP.、Uh, contrast that with the United States, where it was just over ten percent. And you see that China is driving very,、um, you know. Very quickly into the future, and what does digital economy mean? I mean, everyone talks about it, but you know, they they seem they tend to think about it in terms of financial terms, GDP, and maybe some jobs and things like that. But actually, it's a complete transformation, much like the industrial revolution. It's going to change how we work with each other. I mean, people are experiencing Chat GPT right now. That's a small part and the very beginning of what's going to be a very large change, and it does change jobs. I mean, there, there are obviously going to be certain jobs, repetitive things,、uh, information gathering jobs that will go away.、Uh, it could also be the first time that you affect,、uh, in essence, the white collar workers,、uh, accountants, uh, lawyers, uh, uh, certain types of、um, consultants.、Uh, they just won't be as useful as they were before, and they'll have to find other ways. But there are also new opportunities in the digital world, especially in terms of services,、um, the kinds of、uh, things that will be on offer. Really, are tailored to the individual. Much more customization. Instead of ordering some piece of clothing online,、uh, designed by somebody, you'll take their basic design, your body shape, and they'll figure out a way to make it as flattering as possible for you. So that has a lot of. Permutations in terms of the choice economy, in terms of the、uh, the basic economy, the necessities,、uh, the、um, the growing of food,、uh, the processing, all of that stuff will take less labor. 
Mm. And therefore, will create uh, more productivity and more opportunities for people to enjoy leisure. It'll have the, uh, effects in terms of you know whether we have a three and a half or four day work week, uh, and many other aspects of how we enjoy life um, and how we spend our money.、Mm. So yeah. So what do you think does the、uh, digital China mean, and what kind of major technology breakthroughs are needed? Yeah, so、um, I think from this blueprint, what I got is,、um, you know, this digital China、uh, goes way beyond just the economy.、Uh, I mean, the, the digital transformation of the Chinese economy is expected to contribute、um, somewhere between seven to、uh, almost one fifth of the Chinese, you know, domestic、uh, economic growth、um, from 2013 to 2025. So it is a very significant driving force um, for um, the economy going forward, right? To not only in, improve the digital technologies, but also the integration of that digital、uh, digital technologies in all different sectors, all different industries. So from the economic point of view, it's very significant. It is a driving force. Is as Anna mentioned, it's forty percent of the economy already, and it's going to continue to increase that share. Uh, but more importantly, I think from this blueprint, I think、um, there is the、uh, sort of the the, the efforts, at the initiatives to integrate the kind of digital process、um, in not only the economy but also in the political process.、Um, thinking about e-ballots, for example, as one very simple example, and also culture, right? The digital delivery of cultural contents、um, and society, right? So the whole digital, you know, credit system or digital.、Um, Monitoring system and digital services、um, in in social services and also、um, in uh, uh, ec ecology. So, I think all these would be happening in a coordinated、uh, manner. So this is going to be a、uh, full fledged,、um, you know, a comprehensive sort of transformation、um, of the entire economy, society, political system, ecological system, and cultural system. So, Ina, to what do you attribute China's impressive growth of the digital economy in the past few years? Well,、uh, the the putting in the digital infrastructure and the、uh, applied applying the technologies that are out there. I mean, you see this quite clearly with Huawei in terms of what they did with five、um, G.、Uh, you're, you're still seeing it.、Uh, China is poised to be the number one.、Um, In terms of the ownership of technology is associated with six、uh, G, and you know people say, well, what's the difference between five and six? It just seems like numbers.、Uh, it, it's it's completely different. Six、uh, G is three dimensional. So、mm. if I'm sitting in my apartment、uh, up on the thirty eighth floor.、Um, It'll know that I'm in my apartment on the 38th floor, whereas you know a lot of maps right now. If you if you look, it it shows you <laughs> in another part of、uh, of the district simply because it's not three dimensional. That has a lot to、uh, to do with you know, delivery and logistics,、uh, knowing where you are, where you're going to go, and things like this.、Um, so you know, things just become more and more efficient, and that that is really the promise of the digital economy. It's more choices and a greater efficiency. And、um, this this is、um, this it requires this big backbone in order to do it, and that's、mm. what China has committed to. Just like it has the physical infrastructure in terms of roads, bridges, and fast trains, airports, it now is、uh, concentrating on making sure that the digital infrastructure matches what they need. And on the software side, they're going to need、um, people who are trained for this new economy. And you're starting to see a big push into vocational training. 
uh, to make sure that uh, these industries can in fact be supported. Many countries aren't paying enough attention to this and they'll arrive at a point where the digital you know, economy is here, but they don't have uh, the domestic uh, resources to operate it. Mm. So yeah, actually China has this digital currency, the digital RMB. So is it a good example that reflects that China's development in digital economy during the past few years? Well, how different is the digital RMB from WeChat Pay, Alipay? Well, why do we need it? Yeah, so I definitely think the digital currency, um, you know, that it's it's a it's a technology that China has the, you know, uh, advantage in. And what is really helpful is not only that it facilitates, you know, transactions and it really improves the efficiency of the payment system, uh, but it also has many other, um, you know, benefits um, such as, you know, much more targeted and fine tuning in terms of, for example, monitor policy. Uh, with a digital currency, for example, you can make sure that uh, bank loans or um, government uh, loans uh, are going directly to the enterprises or the individuals um, that uh, are targeted. So there are many benefits of you know the digital currency, and it is actually different from you know all these e-payment or mobile payment platforms. Um, so I think when you think about these e-currency, the Chinese one is different because the government is totally behind um, the digital currency. So this is different than, you know, some of the more market-based um, so-called decentralized um, e-currency. Uh, but from a user's point of view, I think the two main distinctions are, um, first of all, these digital currency, there are the legal, you know, counterparts of the physical currency that we're using. So they are the legal, counter uh, they are the legal tenders. Um, meaning that, you know, they will be accepted widely in the economy um, and they are super safe because they're backed by the government. Um, so even if, you know, let's say some of the e-payments uh, enterprises may run into problems like all private enterprises could, uh, this e-currencies is going to be super safe and secure. Um, it's backed by the government. Um, and then the second point is, you know, when you use these e-payments, you will still need these e-payment platforms to clear with the banks and the banks clear at the central bank. Uh, but the e-currency, you know, it is already centralized. They already clear at the central ledger so that it's different. Um, and also, I think the convenience is really, um, you know, a, a lot more improved for this digital, you know, R&B uh, because you could download the money into your wallet, so digital wallet, and you can make payments offline. Um, so there are many different, you know, benefits, I think, not only from a user's point of view, but also from a policymaking point of view. So, mm -hmm. yes, it is a great breakthrough in that digital economy. Mm, so, Aina, so what do you think about the importance of this uh, digital currency for the digital development for China? Can't be underestimated. Uh, I agree with Jan. It's really about efficiency, uh, about the ability to um, you know move money around. But you know there are tremendous uh, benefits, as she said. Uh, the government will have a real-time digital dashboard uh, where it can see how the economy is going. It can trace everything. Uh, there's going to be a lot less fraud out there. I don't say no fraud because yeah, there's always somebody out there thinking up new ways. But it's going to be very, very, very difficult because uh, money is tracked. Uh, it also means that the revenues uh, for the government are much easier to attach because they can happen at the point of transaction 
rather than trying to figure it out later. They'll know exactly, you know, what the tax uh, should be and it will be deducted. And this, you know, uh, is tremendously <laughs> beneficial for governments having been in that position where I was concerned about tax revenues coming into the city of uh, where I was. Um, you know, we, we had to do all sorts of things in terms of borrowing and estimating what kind of taxes we would collect at the end of the year in order to uh, fund programs during the year. So um, beyond that, um, there are, you know, the digital currency is a precursor to what I call the smart contract or the living contract, which means that instead of the contract where we, you know, agree on some terms and I hope that you follow through and you hope that I follow through, uh, that will be taken out of the equation. Mm. Uh, either I'm responsible or you're responsible, and there will be ways uh, that the, um, that the, in the digital world using this thing that I know that you can do it, that you've purchased what is necessary to make the products, and that you, on the other hand, know that I have the money available to pay for them when you ship them. This will completely change the efficiency of transactions internationally and domestically. Mm. So, yeah, actually, for China's digital economy, the buzzword was always tech and innovation. And multiple provinces and regions across China have been stepping up investments and efforts to build the AI computing centers. So what's your assessment of the market size of 5G and AI in China? And what are business and market opportunities there? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, definitely the market is very large. I think in you know in terms of trillions of dollars of um, the market. Um, I think you know all these different efforts from the local government's level, from the government level, and also from the entrepreneurship level. Um, I think we can only see you know ever expanding market. And I think China definitely has a lot of advantages in you know developing high tech um, because when you think about what you need to develop high tech, you need the talent. Um, and China, you know, graduates, you know, hundreds of thousands of 700, um, over 700,000 STEM graduates every year. Um, and China has a lot of capital. Um, China is one of the, you know, biggest investors in the high tech industries. Um, and also China has these really innovative entrepreneurship. Uh, for example, China is home to 31% of the, you know, unicorn companies um, in the world. So I think processing the money, you know, the the the, the entrepreneurship, the talent, um, I think, you know, definitely there is a good prospect um, for China to continue to forge ahead in high tech. Um, I think in addition to that, also, you know, the government has been playing a very supportive role in, for example, investing in basic R&D um, and also in, you know, crafting policies that would give enough space um, for these innovations. Um, so I think all these are very helpful, but of course, um, the challenges are, are uh, present um, with, for example, the U.S.'s efforts in tech decoupling. Um, so I think, you know, China definitely need to make some breakthroughs in, you know, some semiconductors um, and some other areas. Um, but I think, you know, again, China has demonstrated that it has the capacity, it has the resolve to be able to, you know, innovate. Um, and so I think, you know, with all the elements coming together, it is likely, right, to see that, you know, China's uh, technological innovations will continue to forge ahead. Mm. So, yeah, when it comes to the market players, some are fine-tuning their strategy from the mobile-first to AI-first quickly. So what does an AI-first strategy look like for a manufacturing company or a financial institution? And what's their role in building a digital China? 
Yeah, I think it's critical um, really for you know manufacturing sector, financial sector, um, and many other sectors to adopt these you know leading edge technologies, be it AI, be it quantum computing, or be it blockchain, or you know other sort of technologies. I think you know um, we all know that China has developed a really good you know commerce, sorry, consumer oriented you know digital economy. So think of you know e-payments, e-mobile uh, sort of mobile businesses and. Um, e-platforms in delivering services and you name it. Uh, but I think, you know, what can really have a lot of room to grow is really, you know, how we can help to integrate these digital technologies or, you know, high tech in general in manufacturers. Um, so, you know, for example, if they're able to deliver, you know, industrial, inter-industrial goods digitally, um, or if they're able to build their, uh, you know, um, cloud uh, computing uh, or cloud platforms, um, to really monitor the productions, the deliveries, and you know their you know sort of integrations of their supply chain. So I think there is still very uh, you know large room for that to uh, to grow. Now I think increasingly we see a number of you know manufacturers, um, you know for example the construction machinery manufacturer XCMG Group, um, and also the Medium Group, uh, which is the electrical appliance manufacturer, they start to build their cloud and also industrial internet platforms. So I think, um, yes, the, the next step, and I think the government has clearly seen that, you know, we have uh, a very thriving, you know, consumer markets with di digital technologies. And the next step is really trying to integrate that digital technologies in varieties of sectors that includes, you know, industrial manufacturing, agriculture, um, and other aspects, right, beyond just the economy. And again, integrating um, this high tech in agricultural production, you know, in, you know, food delivery, in energy uses. Um, I think there's many, many uh, sort of potentials um, for this high tech to help with, you know, environmental sustainability, ecological sustainability. So, yeah, I mm -hmm. think it is important for, you know, all these enterprises to upgrade the technologies in their, you know, daily operations. Well, we're speaking with Yan Liang, Professor of Economics, Willamette University, and also Aina Tangen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. And after the short break, I'll speak with the Chief Economist of Hansen Bank China to get her thoughts on China's market and economy. Stay with us. Welcome. I'm Ilaf Elard, Economics Professor and Member of the Data Science and AI Center at New York University, Shanghai. On the World Today program, you can find in-depth and impartial insight, as well as critical commentary on key trends in the Chinese economy, financial technology, business, and blockchain. To prepare for the world tomorrow, join me on World Today. Since the easing of COVID-19 restrictions, China's economy has seen rapid recovery and development, with foreign investments pouring into Chinese financial market. Earlier, I spoke with Wang Dan, chief economist of Hansen Bank China, about her view on China's market opportunities this year. So, Dr. Wang, thank you for saving us some time. The global investors seem bullish on Chinese equities starting this year. So, how do you explain it? And what are the main factors driving them to put money on China's equities? Uh, China's equity market has been at a low base for the past year and a half. So, it is at this point that uh, the economic reversal and the sentiment is driving up uh, the economic prospect in China. 
and many foreign investors have seen the opportunities of the natural rebound, as well as the rebound in domestic consumer market. So there are a lot of hope that this year will be a turning point for Chinese economy, and thus people want to rush in to、uh, get to the best point when they could put their money. Mm, and we're also seeing the FDI or foreign direct investment、uh, expanded over 14 percent in January compared to a year ago. And among them, the foreign investment in high-tech manufacturing even surged by 75 percent. So, what does that tell us about?、Uh, the China's top leadership has been very clear about its economic priorities this year and the next five years to come. And the technological progress and the state-backed funding to research and development has been quite high, and we have seen on the provincial level that many of the local governments have rolled out programs to、uh, set aside the government guiding、um, funds to support、uh, the corporates and universities for such kind of efforts. So the FDIs are taking advantage of this relatively low valuation in the market and a long-term high growth prospect. So we anticipate FDI to stay at a relatively high level this year. Mm. And China's manufacturing PMI came in at fifty-two point six in February, which is quite high, and the, the non-manufacturing PMI even higher. So, what does it mean for China's economic recovery this year? And the latest figures of PMI are very encouraging, and it's across the board for large firms, mid-sized firms, and small firms,、uh, which is a big reversal from the trend in the previous month. Um, because when we look at the figures before February, it was mostly concentrated in the large、uh, companies that we see、uh, that we saw the kind of strong rebound.、Um, but now the smaller firms also pick up their pace, and it's not just in manufacturing but also in services.、Uh, keeping in mind that this is a month-on-month indicator, and it has shown this gradual pickup in economic growth、uh, in China's economy. Mm. And the International Monetary Fund upgraded its、uh, growth forecast for China to 5.2 percent this year. So, how do you look at this figure? The、um, upgrade for China's economic forecast this year has been a universal thing, not、uh, just for the foreign institutions, but also domestic market part- participants. Uh, the market doesn't seem to worry about the domestic economy anymore. The high-frequency data, such as the subway, has implied a strong recovery.、Uh, traffic congestion index is also quite high. Even housing sales are recovering in Tier One cities.、Uh, the year-to-date housing sales is still relatively low, but the trend of going up is coming back strongly. So, with the domestic economy having such an encouraging start,、uh, there is reason to believe that、uh, the later quarters will have a better performance.、Mm, and you mentioned the real estate sector. So, what do you think about the uh, uh, property sector's recovery for this year? The property sector started to recover since、uh, the last November.、Uh, in the beginning, it was mostly through the Uh, injection of liquidity to the real estate developers, and now we have seen an acceleration in housing construction,、uh, not just in Tier One cities but in smaller cities as well. 
a lot of those housing construction are targeting to become the affordable housing, including the long-term rental housing and low-cost government-supported housing. So the housing transaction sales is still relatively weak uh, because people are waiting for more clear policies on maybe even lower mortgage rate or other supporting policies for first-time home buyers. Um, but in general, buying a home is to buy growth. With a better growth prospect, the housing sales will certainly also pick up. Mm. And consumption is the key to the economic recovery this year. So when do you think the consumption will recover in China to the pre-pandemic level? And would it be automatically coming back or would more policy or supporting policies be needed? Uh, we still believe that the consumption level will return to the 2019 level by the end of this year. Uh, the income growth certainly seemed to be picking up. Um, but now the main question is whether people would like to save more before they want to splurge again. Um, because when we look at the latest household saving data, it is still increasing, which has suggested this conservative attitudes among consumers. Um, the uh, traditional Chinese New Year uh, has been a good start for the retail market, um, but the main rebound was in tier one and tier two cities. Mm. For smaller cities, uh, they still need more supporting policies, including maybe cash transfer or targeted help for low-income families. Mm. So what other areas do you think will China focus on to boost the economic development for this year? Um, because China is in this transition from a uh, high growth model to high quality uh, growth model. And when it comes to high quality, that means we'll see this upgrade in the supply chain, in its energy supply, and even in the consumer market. Uh, although the job market is the number one priority, the economic growth is not as important as before. Uh, we will certainly see a natural rebound this year, which is likely to exceed 6%. And that is slowly becoming a market consensus. Um, but for other areas, I do not see the point for government to push too hard. Uh, there will be fiscal expansion. There will be some more monetary expansion. Mm. Um, but as long as the job market is stable, uh, there is no point to blow up this financial bubble again. So how do you view China's reopening and its influence on the uh, global economy? Um, China's reopening is the biggest economic event this year um, because it is not just the largest consumer market, but also the largest manufacturing center. There is a higher supply of consumer goods already and higher demand for commodities. So uh, we are quite confident that China's economy will be a main push for the global recovery this year. If the economy follows the current trend, it's very likely to exceed 6%. If we take into account that there might be headwinds from export and maybe there are fluctuations in housing market, then the economy will likely to reach a 5.5% of growth. That was Wang Dan, chief economist of Hansen Bank China, about her view on China's market and economy. Well, with that, we end this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.